Welcome, and thanks for joining us on the podcast. Now let's join Dr. Jacob Koshy for his message. Good morning. <laughs> wow, it's amazing to see this uh, church packed like this. Hey, we should only stick to one single service, eh? Or we should stick to services and have everyone come like this. That will be absolutely amazing. Christmas is just around the corner, hey? Next week. Can you believe that? Tuesday, it's going to be Christmas. <laughs> wow. But you know, I think Christmas is a beautiful time of the year. Not only because it's a time when we, you know, celebrate the birth of Jesus and we celebrate the fact that, you know, uh, a God of the universe would, would choose to come down in human form to live among us and to, and to provide that amazing sacrifice of his blood so that you and I could come into relationship with him. What an amazing thought that is, yeah? And so I love the thought of Christmas. I love everything that Christmas embodies. It's also a time when we think about the fact that it's coming, we're coming to the end of the year. And it's a great time to just sort of sit and think about the year that has gone. The things we have seen and experienced, you know, a week ago, uh, our department, which is quite a small department, got together and we were just sitting and I looked around at about 12 people and I saw some incredible, I thought of some incredible things that had happened in people's lives over the course of 12 months. We had one person who had had a baby. We had one person who had had a near-death experience and was a miracle that he was alive and actually with us that evening. And there were people who uh, were who had gone through major exams and passed their exams and people who had got new jobs, uh, sorry, had come into a new job with us. And, you know, I just look around and I thought, you know, just the things that happen in the course of a year can sometimes be absolutely astounding. But it's also a great time of the year to think about what have I, how have I grown from the beginning of the year to the end of this year? In my relationship, in my understanding of who God is and what his will is for my life. What a beautiful opportunity to think about those things as we come to the end of the year as well, eh? So I, what we're going to do to, today is, is just look at a passage in the word of God. And, and I think it's, it's something that God has been speaking to me strongly about. And I hope that it will bless you as well. You know, there, was a, there were two neighbors having a chat, and one of them said to the other, oh, they're talking about their jobs, and one said, oh, I lost my job last week. And he says, oh, what happened? He says, oh, look, you know, the, um, the, the foreman is very jealous of me. He says, why? He says, well, you know what foremen do, right? They stand around and watch everyone else do the work, and they don't do anything themselves. Well, he got jealous of me because everyone thought I was the foreman. <laughs> There was someone celebrating their 60th birthday, and this man gave his wife uh, a ring. And, and the, his friend came along and looked at the ring and said, oh my goodness, what a beautiful diamond ring. And he says, but didn't your wife want uh, one of those new, small, fancy four-wheel drive things? He said, yeah, actually, she wanted a Jeep, but I couldn't find a fake Jeep anywhere. <laughs> Janet, where are you? <laughs> that ring? I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry to burst your bubble, Janet. 
Let's, let's look to the word. Uh, sorry, let's, let's close our eyes and just, just look to God. Father in heaven, we just thank you for the amazing privilege it is to be able to come into your presence and to be able to just sit under your word. And I pray that your word will just open our hearts and minds as we look to you. Father, I pray that you speak, Lord. I hide behind you. I hide behind the spirit. And I just pray that it will be your voice we hear today and not mine. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hmm. We all know the story of, of, the, of the, the conquering of the, of the city of Jericho. And I'm going to have a look at that today with you. What do you need to know about the walls of Jericho? Were that they were immense. They were two concentric circles of stone mortar, bricks that surrounded the entire city. They rose up to about 15 feet in the air and at some parts they went, went up to about 30 feet in the air. They were impenetrable. It was considered an impregnable fortress. Let me tell you about the people of Jericho. They were a ferocious, barbaric tribe of people. They practiced child sacrifice. They were ruthless on the plains of Canaan. And yet, one day, when Joshua stood outside their city, the walls crumbled. The city walls were destroyed. And people, the people of Israel, conquered that land. That was an amazing feat that day. But let me tell you something about Joshua. He had nothing to do with that victory. Nothing at all. In fact, it was God who had brought about that incredible destruction and then the conquering of that city. Joshua never swung a hammer. He never did anything to any of those bricks. He didn't dislodge a single brick. But God did that for Joshua. And if God did that for Joshua, believe me, God can do that for you. Amen? You know, your Jericho is your anger. Your Jericho is your insecurity. Your Jericho is your anxiety, your guilt, your tendency to criticize or overanalyze there's so many things that stand up as your Jerichos. Your Jericho is any mindset or attitude that keeps you from moving into your promised land. It stands like a giant over a bridge and it smirks at you and laughs. But in order for you to move forward in your faith, just as the walls of Jericho came down for Joshua... The walls of your Jericho have to come down as well. What was true for Joshua is true for you. Now, all of you know about this incident, and I'll just recap about roughly when this happens. It was around 1400 BC. The children of Israel had spent about 40 years wandering around in the wilderness. They had come out of Egypt. And then God spoke 
and Joshua listened and obeyed. They crossed the Jordan. The walls of Jericho came down. The sun stood still. And Israel entered into the promised land. It was a glorious time for Israel. Seven years, apart from a single blip, when they had a problem with a little city called Ai, the rest of the time they were a conquering, unstoppable force that went on to conquer 31 kings and take over the land that was promised to them. You know, in the stories of of Israel, we talk about Egypt and we talk about the wilderness and we talk about the promised land. These are symbols of actually our own lives. Egypt, it represents the life we have without Christ, what we were before we knew Jesus. When we were in bondage to sin and in bondage to the guilt that comes with sin, that was what Egypt represented. The promised land is after we come to know Jesus and we come under his authority. We come into a new life, a life filled with promise. It's not a life that is without uh, battles. In fact, like we said, Joshua in the promised land had to fight battles on every front. In fact, up to, like I said, 31 kings he had to fight. So the promised land is not a land where there is no strife, but it is a land where you are not doing the strife. You are not striving on your own, but you have the power of the almighty God standing with you and helping you through those battles that you will be encountering. The wilderness, on the other hand, was the third part. It's a part between Egypt and the promised land. A place where sometimes we can find ourselves. A place of where we lose our way sometimes and we wander and we go around in circles and we meander and it seems like we are not progressing. It's the same old, same old. We feel like we are in a rut. And you know what? For some of us, we are in that wilderness place. But that's not, where God, that's not the place where God wants you to be. He wants you to be moving out of that wilderness and into the promised land that he has for you. You know, I know of believers, good, strong people who have known the Lord, walked with him for 15, 20 years even. And I sometimes sit with them and talk to them and they tell me that, you know, life is hard. That they feel like they can't remember the last time God answered a prayer. They can't remember the last time they were able to have victory over the temptations in their life. And they feel that they are caught up in this, in this rut in which they seem to be just doing the same things over and over again. And there's no progress. They are not advancing in their love for God or the love for people of God or in their understanding of God's will and their, his purpose for their lives. And they don't, they don't feel like they are accomplishing what God wants to accomplish through them. You know, the largest study of its kind on Christian maturity was done in the U.S. In about seven years ago. And it was called... Uh, the Spiritual Life Survey. And they surveyed about a thousand churches in the U.S. 
And they ask people, how do you feel you are doing in your spiritual life? Surprisingly, 89% of Christians, when asked to describe their Christian walk, describe their Christian lives as not being the way they had hoped it would be. They describe their lives as being, you know, as though they are, exactly as I described it, a life of being in the wilderness where they're doing the same old, same old things and nothing seems to be changing. They don't seem to be victorious in what they are doing. They're just meandering, traveling in circles. Maybe that describes you today. Maybe you hoped in your heart of hearts that when I became a believer, this Christian life would be more. It would be exciting. It would be, I would do a lot of things. So why is there a disconnect between what you read in the Bible, what you experience in your life? And how can you come out of that wilderness? What do you do when you feel like you are spiritually stuck? Well, I think the book of Joshua is just an amazing book given for just a time as this for us who feel like we are in that wilderness experience. Because believe me, people know we've been delivered out of Egypt. We've been delivered out of the power of sin, we think. And out of temptation, but Egypt hasn't left us. We still have the power of sin having its hold in our lives. Even though we should be living victorious lives, we still have that power of sin persisting in our lives, dominating us. Is it possible for God to bring a generation of people out of the wilderness into a season of victory? Well, the book of Joshua says yes. It says yes, and I believe shows us how. Shall we turn to Joshua chapter 6 and verse 2? You can put that up on the screen for me, please. It says, Then Josh, the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. You know, already... We see that things are different in the promised land. God does not say, go out there and conquer that city of Jericho. What does he say? I have already delivered Jericho into your hands. <laughs> go and receive what I have already taken for you. These were people who did not have to fight for victory. They were fighting from a point of victory. Amen. Hallelujah. They fought from an assurance of victory. You know, there is a theme that is prevalent throughout the book of Joshua. And it is seen in one form or the other. And it's the theme of inheritance. Inheritance. You know? It is seen about 60 times mentioned in the book of Joshua. And these were people, you know, knowing that God was telling them, I have already won the victory for you. All I want you to do is go and take hold of the victory I've given to you. God was saying, I want you to live out of your inheritance. Yeah. 
Don't live out of the circumstances you find yourself in. But I have given you an inheritance. And I want you to live out of that inheritance. You know, my mom has a Nokia phone. (laughs) It's about 20 years old, right? And I always make fun of her when I see her about the phone. But she says when she passes away, she wants me to have that phone. (laughs) So I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be my inheritance. (laughs) Yeah. But believe me, it's a 20-year-old little rectangular brick. And it weighs as much as a brick, right? But it's an incredible phone. It doesn't have all that fancy, fancy, manchy things and all, you know, like sending, you know, you can't go on Facebook and stuff. But (laughs) you can ring on it can receive phone calls on it. You can send messages on it. And you know what? You charge it once and the battery lasts for five days. Five days. I want that phone. (laughs) What is our inheritance? You know, we've talked about the inheritance of the Israelites. That God said, I have already conquered the land. It is your inheritance. Just go and take it. Did you know, when you gave your heart to Jesus, you became an heir, yes. an heir to the, in the family of God, yes. and not only an heir, but a co-heir with Christ. It says it in the word of God. It says in Romans 8, Pastor Ben had read from Romans 8, it says in verse 17, now if we are children... Then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. So you know what that means? You are a co-heir with Christ. That means every spiritual blessing available in the heavenlies to Christ is available to you and I. Available to you and I. Hallelujah. So whatever Christ can receive, so can we. Whatever joy, whatever hope is available to Jesus is available to us. So, you know, you and I can no longer live by this mantra that says, I can't. What we should change our mantra to is, I can't, but I can through Christ. I can't, but I can through Christ. I can't forgive That's true. And it is hard to forgive sometimes. But Christ in me can help me forgive. I cannot fight this temptation. Yes, it is difficult. But with Christ in me, I can. I cannot climb out from underneath this mountain of despair. Well, it may take a little time. But believe me, with Christ, he will walk the journey with you and walk you out from underneath that mountain of despair that you're walking under. So can we learn to live out of our inheritance and not be, not be you know, dictated by our circumstances that we live in? We don't need to be. We can have all kinds of circumstances that surround us. But we have to be assured of the fact that as co-heirs with Christ... We have an inheritance that will never be taken away from us. And so we can then choose to walk in that inheritance and not out of the circumstances that surround us. You know, Joshua was promised after the death of Moses that God would be with him. And that everywhere he stepped, everywhere he walked would be given to him. 
the land would be given to him and he was then told prepare to cross the jordan he had no idea how all of this was going to happen absolutely no idea he had no idea how he was going to cross the jordan he had no idea how he was going to conquer jericho or any of the other cities that were facing him but you know what he did he obeyed and he kept marching and he kept marching and he kept marching and at the end of the book of joshua in his old age he is addressing his soldiers and the people of israel and he declares we have inherited what god promised and he has kept every one of his promises hallelujah so knowing that god had already given them the city they step out they step out and they begin moving toward the city and the result is is this most incredible strategy for a battle you ever heard of in Joshua chapter 6 verse 6 it says so Joshua son of Nun called the priests and said to them take up the ark of the covenant of the lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it and he ordered the army advance march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the ark of the lord take up the ark of the covenant now i can imagine what the soldiers are thinking as joshua says we are preparing for battle they are waiting for the order prepare the ladders prepare the catapults prepare the battering rams we are going to lay siege to the city going to use all the the technology we have at our disposal to get through those walls and get over the walls can you imagine their surprise when he says nope we don't need any of that stuff all we need is the ark of the covenant we need some priests soldiers who will march in front and behind and some trumpets some rams horns goodness me and he commands them do not give a war cry do not raise your voices just stay absolutely silent he tells the people i do not want to hear any opinions i don't want to hear any any suggestions i just want you to stand by the side and keep silent because god is going to move on our behalf <laughs> you know he had at his disposal 40000 soldiers 2 million people but he follows the instructions that god gives him and he gets this little entourage small band of people and they begin to do what god has asked them to do keeping the ark in the middle what kind of battle is this this is the clearest illustration of what a spiritual battle looks like this is no physical battle this is a spiritual battle and don't be fooled every war every battle that we read about we hear about we see on the television that distresses us sometimes these are things that have been hatched plans that have been hatched with devil and his hordes with one single purpose in mind to steal kill and destroy people all these wars that you hear of it's not just the doing of people they are influenced by the devil because he knows his time is limited he has to exact and maximize the damage he can cause on the earth and he will do everything in his disposal to do that he knows his time is limited but he has to answer god and that ticks him off and the end for him is near 
So till then, anyone desiring to enter the promised land, you will find yourself in a battle with the devil. Your stronghold, like I mentioned before, is not made of bricks and mortar. It is a mindset that comes at you in your thoughts and your attitudes. In fact, Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 to 4. He says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Hallelujah. The weapons of our warfare are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. You know what those strongholds are? Arguments, philosophy, convictions, ideology, belief systems that set themselves up against the knowledge of God. Does a stronghold have a stronghold on you? Do you speak the language of a stronghold? You know what the language of a stronghold is? God could never forgive me. But we know he can forgive. He is a God of great mercy. But this person who believes that God cannot forgive me, he is living in the shadow of a stronghold of guilt. I could never forgive that person. Yeah, it isn't easy to forgive sometimes, but it is possible. But if you believe that you could never forgive a person who has offended you, you are living within the shadow of a stronghold of resentment and it has its grip on you. You may think, bad things always happen to me. Well, good things happen to you too. But you have been so warped in your thinking that you interpret everything through this lens that the devil has placed over you, the stronghold of self-pity. That says nothing ever good comes to me. And that stronghold, believe me, will keep you out of the promised land. I don't deserve to be loved. Have you heard that one? I don't deserve to be done. Well, yes, you do. You are a child of God. You were created in the image of God. You were purchased by the most precious commodity in the universe. You are loved. But if you say and believe you don't deserve to be loved, you are captive to the stronghold of rejection. These are beliefs and our beliefs will drive our behavior. Our beliefs precede our behavior. If you want to change a person or you want to change yourself, you need to change your belief systems. You know, Paul says, and he's very clear in the previous verse, that the real spiritual battle is fought between our two years. A stronghold is a false belief system that sets itself up against God's promises. And you know what? Many Christians are stuck. We are stuck in these mindsets because we think we cannot get out of these mindsets. And we are stuck in this wilderness and we think we're going to be stuck there for the rest of our lives. Well, you are not like that. You are going to be like Joshua. Remember what we read before. You have divine power given to you. The weapons that are given to you are divine. And we are able to demolish strongholds with the divine power given to us. The day is coming, my dear brother and my dear sister, when people will come to you and say, you know what? There's something different about you. You have changed. You used to be like this, but now you're no longer like that. You may feel yourself that, oh yeah, I used to have this issue I used to battle with, but now 
I don't battle with it as much now. People will say, oh, you used to have the Central Australian distributorship for anxiety. But you are so different now. It is not God's will that you live a dark, marginalized, unhappy life. When you said yes to him, he said yes to you. And he has enrolled you in his revamping, remodeling, transforming word that he has for you. A project where he has moved into your heart. And his every intention is to shape you into the image of Christ. But it is essential for our victory moving forward that we treasure and we use the lessons of spiritual warfare from Joshua's story. So what did he do? I will close with just two things. The first thing he did is he took the ark of God and he placed it right in the center. You know what is the ark of God? It was a rectangular box that contained some relics. But you know what it represented? It represented the presence of God. The dwelling place of God. So Joshua said, Before I go into battle, I am going to put God right at the center of the battle. And you know what? You do that. When you put God right at the center of your finances, when you put God right at the center of your marriage, when you put God right at the center of your studies, when you put him at the center of your thought life, right at the center of what you read or what you look at on the internet, when you put him at the center of that, you are saying, yes, God, I am placing the dwelling place of God right at the center in the middle of the battle that I'm going to be involved in. The second thing is you take the ram's horn In ancient Israel, there were basically two horns. One was a silver trumpet that was blown when they wanted people to come together for meetings. The silent version of that now is a Facebook invite. Going, maybe, no, thinking about it. The silver trumpet blew and people knew they were were called to come together for a meeting. But there was another horn, the ram's horn, also called the shofar. And this was used to declare the protection and provision of God. And every time the ram's horn was blown, it would bring to people's memory an incident that happened years ago when Abraham was about to sacrifice Isaac, his son. And God intervened at the last moment and said, No, do not lay a hand on that child. And he provided a way out. He provided another ram. And they turned and they found the ram caught in the thicket. And that was the sacrificial lamb or ram that took the place of Isaac. And so every time the horn was blown, it would remind people that this is a reminder of God's provision and God's protection. So look at the scene. The massive city of Jericho, two million people watching. And the priests and the ark just marching around, blowing the ram's horn. 
this is a picture of worship a picture of the declaration of the provision and the protection of god and i can imagine how much this would have ticked off the devil he sees these people god's people moving into god's promise he sees them walking around his stronghold and what are they declaring our god will protect our god will provide again and again they keep saying our god will protect our god will provide and they keep walking around and around children of israel were filling the air filling the air with that declaration they were filling their minds with the declaration of truth god protects and god provides so where do we get our ram's horn from i believe they are on special in mad harry's <laughs> your ram's horn my brother and sister is nothing other than the word of god the word of god is your ram's horn the sword of the spirit living and active able to penetrate to the dividing of soul and spirit joint and marrow that word serves as your ram's horn my brother and my sister so let's say your stronghold is guilt when you are filled with shame and you feel like you are dirty you feel condemned well you are going to do something different my brother and sister whenever you feel like your mind is leading you down that path of guilt respond by pulling out a passage of scripture there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus for we are saved by faith through grace and not by works lest anyone should boast for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever and i am that whoever if i believe then i will not die and i will have everlasting life begin talking to god begin talking to the devil you are elevating the word of god declaring the word of god that is your ram's horn and listen to me the devil will not linger he will not linger where god's word is declared because you know what he has an allergy to the bible and jesus showed us that when he was tempted well if your stronghold is anxiety and you're always assuming something bad is going to happen and you live in day out and day day in and day out you wake up in the morning and you're anxious about things you go to sleep at night you're anxious your very life is being sucked out of you the joy seems to have gone out of your existence well declare the word of god there speak the word philippians 4 be anxious for nothing but in everything with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving in your heart let your requests be made known to god and the peace of god that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind in christ jesus and say it over and over again say it over and over again every time the devil brings that thought into your mind declare your ram's horn blow it and declare god's word declare his protection and provision we do not know how many times we have to say that you know when god told joshua to walk around you know once every day for six days and seven times on the seventh day he didn't tell the people that they had no idea how long they were going to walk around how many times they were walking around they just kept doing it doing it doing it until joshua said now shout with all your might we do not know and sometimes it may take time for our strongholds to crumble but you know what we will not stop we will keep walking around those strongholds and we will keep declaring god is a god of protection and god is a god of provision and remember in 1 corinthians what jesus has told us is this 
Jesus, our Joshua says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. So will you just keep walking? Will you just keep walking? For all you know, this day may be that day when things change completely for the people of Israel. When they walked around that seventh time and Joshua said, Now, shout! (laughs) And when the trumpets sounded, the army shouted, the people shouted, and when they gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, it says, and they took the city. And the very walls that kept them out became stepping stones for them to go in and take the city. Hallelujah. My brothers and sisters, Will you stand with me in the presence of God? You know, there's another trumpet going to sound soon. There's another trumpet coming our way. And when that trumpet sounds, the King of Kings will come in all his glory. And he will destroy every last vestige that Satan has over this world. Everything that Satan has will be destroyed completely. And the King of Kings and Lord of Lords will take his rightful place as our King of Glory. Hallelujah. Will you close your eyes? Does a stronghold have a stronghold on you? If it does, respond in prayer. God tells us, live out your inheritance. Live out of your inheritance, not your circumstance. Put God at the center. Declare God's word. God loves you and will never give up on you. So don't give up on yourself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. As we prepare to close this morning, I don't know where you are in your walk with God, and I don't know, maybe you're a person who has never even, you know, you're still in Egypt. You're still under the the, the power of guilt and sin. And God says, you know, today, this morning, (laughs) that can all change in an instant if you believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. That can all change can change and you can become a child of God you can become a child of God today you can have the knowledge that your sins are completely forgiven and you can come into that relationship with God where he says you are my son and my daughter well if you've never done that before or maybe you did that a long time ago and you've even forgotten that you did that well my brother and my sister this morning I don't want you to leave without an opportunity to say yes to God. Where today you will make a declaration that I am tired of the way I have lived my life so far. And I'm going to turn away from that life I have lived. And I'm going to walk towards the God of heaven. The God of the universe. My Lord Jesus Christ who is able to change and forgive If there's anyone in this place, in this auditorium, and I'm looking, you just look at me, raise your hand. I will not embarrass you and I will not call you out to the front. 
But if you are here this morning and you want to pray that prayer, just look at me and nod, raise your hand. I will see you and I will pray for you. Is there anyone? I'm just looking across the auditorium now. Anyone who wants to make that declaration and say, yes, Jesus, I say yes to you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I want to talk to my brothers and sisters. If you believe there is a stronghold in your life that is stopping you and preventing you from entering the promised land. Well, today is a day when we have heard what we need to do. But if you would like to make a declaration this morning, then will you, as the band begins to sing, will you come forward? Will you stand in the front in, in the presence of God and say, yes, Lord, I am prepared to fight against the stronghold in my life and I am asking I'm going to use what you used in Joshua's life to bring me victory to pull down that stronghold, that Jericho that stands before me and prevents me receiving everything that I need to in the promised land. I'm just going to hand over to Pastor Ben at this time, but I do want you to decide what you're going to do this morning with what I have shared. We hope you have been encouraged by this message. For more information, check out our website at desertlifechurch.org.